Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, this 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Laura Tremaine is the author of The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. Laura is a Hollywood housewife, she says, but she's also a writer, avid reader, and enthusiastic podcaster. Laura grew up in a small town in southern Oklahoma and moved to Los Angeles sight unseen when she was 22. Years of film and production followed, and in 2007, she married the director she met on her first movie set. For six years, Laura wrote regularly at Hollywood Housewife, a blog that opened doors of friendship and opportunity all over the world. Eventually, she closed the blog and moved toward podcasting, where she launched 10 Things to Tell You. She is the author of Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, and her second book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. Laura lives in LA with her husband and two children. Welcome, Laura. I'm so excited to have you back on Moms No Time to Read Books. I feel like your last book like just came out. Wasn't that like a minute ago? Anyway, back with The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. When did your last book come out? How much time has been in between? It's almost two years exactly. It came out in 2021. But I remember being at your house at a beautiful party and telling you that I was writing The Life Council. And like that feels like a minute ago too. Right? Yeah. I remember that party. And I don't know, somehow... 
between 2021 and now has like slipped by me completely. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm like, wait, it's 2023? The pandemic was three years? Like, what? No. How could it's that crazy. be? crazy. Right? Yeah. Okay. 10 friends every woman needs. I was like mentally trying to slot all my girlfriends into these roles as I read through your different classifications. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Anyway, talk about what this book is about, why a book about friendship and why these friends and all of that. Well, I'm writing about friendship again. Share Your Stuff was also a little bit about friendship from a different angle of like connecting, you know, sharing yourself in order to connect mostly with friends. This book is about actually adult friendships because on my podcast and on my social media, I feel like it kept coming up over and over again, like how difficult adult friendship can be or complicated or we, we feel you know, obligations to friends. We don't really know how to be a new friend. We definitely don't know how to make new friends like out of the blue. Keeping up with old friends sometimes is complicated. This theme just came up over and over again. And I felt like it isn't a relationship that gets a lot of talk or instruction. Like we get all kinds of books about marriage and parenthood. And we just don't get a lot of talks about friends because it feels like friendship should be like this unending resource, right? Like if one friend doesn't work out, there's always another person. And I guess that's sort of true, but that's not really true in our hearts. Like we really want to feel deeply connected to people. And this is certainly not an instructional book. I'm not a psychologist or a therapist or anything like that. It's more just a way to look at the landscape of the people already in your life and see how they can fit into your friendship structure. Instead of feeling like, oh, I don't have any friends, or I only have acquaintances, or I'm too busy to do the friendship thing. Like all these obstacles that get in our way, I I wanted to lay out how I had worked it out for myself. And it's a lot about the way you think about it. It's not about like a ton of action. I don't want to give people a new to-do list here. It's looking at your own landscape and being like, what is this person bringing to my life? What am I bringing to theirs? Not all friendships have to be deep. Some friendships can just stay in their lane. You can have a work friend only. You can have a mom friend only that you only see in the bleachers. And that is still like very, very fulfilling, like in a life, you know? I feel like I particularly liked the obsessive you know, because I, I feel like different, I've been obsessed with different things over the course of my life. And then through those things, I, you know, you, you attract different people, you know, who, who like, then you yes. go on to something else and then they're not as relevant in a way, you know. Exactly. No, exactly. And also like, is there anything more satisfying than a friend that is also obsessed with the thing you're obsessed with? Like you can obsess together. And yeah, yeah sometimes that's just like a season. Maybe you're right. only into like, running or embroidery or whatever for like a minute and then you're not anymore. But when you have that time together, it's like bonding. It feels good. Again, it doesn't need to go the huge distance, but it is like something that brings something to our life. And I feel like friendships like that don't get a lot of credit. Mm -hmm. The only friends that get credits are like old friends, bridesmaid level friends, like friends that help you through your toughest time. And those are beautiful relationships, but those are unique mm-hmm. and they're kind of a different animal. And those aren't the things that like keep us from feeling lonely all the time. We can alleviate some of our loneliness with the people who are like daily in our life or even on a screen, you know? Yeah. No, it's so true. 
I had a friend I really only connected to about the show Homeland. Do you remember that show? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like obsessed with Homeland. And I had this one girlfriend and we would like compare notes and watch together. <laughs> no, I love that. Actually, I want to say more about that because the internet is a gift to us in that way because you can find fellow obsessives so easily. Like there's mm. like Facebook groups or Reddit threads or whatever about whatever thing you're into. Yes, that's true. Especially if it's like a TV show or a band or a podcast. And maybe that's all you have in common. And maybe that's enough. (laughs) Did you know, and I'm probably the last to know this, and this isn't like totally relevant, but because we're talking and we're talking about making friends in random places. When I was on LinkedIn last night, it all of a sudden it popped up and it was like, would you like to join this group of 10,000 writers and authors? And I was like, Okay. Did you know there were groups on LinkedIn? No, but I'm not on LinkedIn. Oh. Are you on LinkedIn very much? Yeah. I mean, I have a page. I'm just not like very active on it. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been like building up my company and hiring people. And then like, I realized I could post on it and like anywhere where I can post news. But anyway, you could find like-minded people even on LinkedIn, I guess is my point. Yeah. Love it. Anyway. Sorry, tangent. What else? The battle buddy. That's like the mom in the trenches, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Anyone in the trenches, I feel like can be a battle buddy. And it, and like, I feel like I'm just going to beat this drum. It doesn't have to be a lifetime relationship. Like yep. you can have a battle buddy with someone that you went through one day. Like you mm-hmm. had a traumatic thing happen one day or you know, doesn't always have to be bad necessarily, but like one thing that really bonded you that was short term, it doesn't have to be like a lifelong battle. It can be, of course, we have these battle buddies that help us through a diagnosis or, you know, a really hard time, but a battle buddy can be like the friend that I write about in the book was my roommate for just one year. Mm -hmm. And we barely even talk much anymore. But that one year was so formative for me. The other battle buddy that I write about, we are dear friends, but it like our friendship came to be because we were on a trip together, like a trip that lasted less than a week. Yep. And it was sort of difficult trip. We kind of went through this thing. So like a battle buddy can be sort of short term, but you have this bonding thing that like you went through it together and you'll always have that connection. We accidentally met this other couple on my honeymoon with my first marriage (laughs) and like they ended up being living nearby and we became friends just because of that. Yeah. I have an idea for you. I just thought of, Okay, I was thinking how it would be so cool to write an essay about each of these friends, like as a writing prompt, right? Like write an Mm -hmm. essay about your you know, daily duty friend or whatever, write an essay about this, the other thing. So I think you should teach a Zibby class And the assignments should be to write these essays and that you have like 10 classes and then you talk about those essays. I would love that. Great. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's talk about it. It is a really good journal prompt or writing prompt, essay prompt, because, you know, I don't want people to be so married to the 10 archetypes that I share. Like I tried to make them general enough and I also shared my own experience. But I do hope that when people are reading through those different stereotypes, that it is like getting their juices flowing of like, well, who is this friend to me? Or if this doesn't exactly fit, you know, maybe it sparks what someone else is to you. So like it, they would be great journal prompts, but also you can take it in your own direction of like, Mm -hmm. ah, this is really making me think of what this person meant to me, even if it doesn't fall in this exact like definition, you know? 
But how nice would it be too to have everybody then send the essays to those 10 friends? Think about all the joy. Let's say you had like 20 people and they each wrote essays about 10 friends and then they all sent them to those friends. Like think about how many people's, I mean, I don't know, what is that, 200 or something? Like lives that are now better? I don't know. It'd be fun. Yeah, that's true. Beautiful. All right. Think about it. You joked in the book about how growing up in Oklahoma, you expected that a bigger community would yield more friends, whereas in truth, it was easier to have friends in a smaller community. Tell me about that. So I grew up in not only Oklahoma, but a small town in Oklahoma. It's like the type of town where everybody knows everybody. And, you know, for better or worse, everybody knows everybody. I went to school with the same people that I, you know, learned how to read and write with in elementary school. Like we graduated at the same time. Then I went to college where I was in a sorority and I just felt like when I got to adulthood, I didn't realize like that friendship had sort of been handed to me on a silver platter this whole time. Like it had just been served up small town. You just know people sorority, like here's the people that you're going to be friends with. You know, when I got in sort of the real world and I moved to Los Angeles thinking I was like wanting to broaden my horizons which moving to LA did broaden my horizons in a lot of ways. But I thought, well, there's, you know, 5 million people here, 5 million options to be friends. I thought it would be easier to make friends than it would be with a small town. And the opposite was true because when you're in a smaller community, whatever that is, your town, you know, your church, your work, your whatever, a smaller community, the connection there feels easier because you're under the umbrella of something you already have in common. Mm -hmm. In Los Angeles, this was not true. It's 5 million people going in 5 million different directions. And it didn't feel like that they were like as interested in investing in deeper relationships. I mean, this city has a reputation for being shallow and that can be true in some instances, especially just on the surface. It felt like, like all of the girlfriend rules that I knew were different in LA. Like people are flaky here, especially when they're 22 years old, you know, they're like, meet you at the bar or don't. Like, I just felt like nobody here kept their word. Nobody here wanted to have deeper conversations. Everybody was a little bit out for themselves. I don't feel that way in Los Angeles as a whole. There's amazing people here and I've made amazing friendships, but it did take me a long time to find deeper friendships here. And I've always likened it to Los Angeles because that's where I was. But part of it also might've just been like post-college life in your twenties is like, (laughs) is a mess. Like a lot of people are selfish and flaky and whatever. So it might not even be LA specific. It was just that moving to a big city from a small town, the, the friendship rules and expectations were so different. And it led to like a long time of loneliness for me. Like I felt like I live here, but all of my connections, all of my deepest heart-centered friendships were back in Oklahoma for a long time. In fact, I didn't make good friends in LA with a few exceptions, but I didn't make my deepest friends in LA until I became a parent. Mm -hmm. And then I made some mom friends because again, we had this thing in common right off the bat, like that put us in, in the same space or maybe in the same mindset before that. I mean, there's so many different types of people in LA. There's so many ways to be in a big city and it's just a different lifestyle when you're in a small town where you're like, there's only so much to do. So (laughs) getting together with people is like the thing to do. Obviously that's going to bring tons of connection 
And it's just not true here. Not true in Hollywood, I'll just say. I had the exact same experience. I moved to LA after college in 1998 and I had the hardest time like meeting like-minded people. I missed my friends so much. I was like, oh, there's so many young people in LA. This is gonna be amazing. And I didn't have that structure in my job. So Mm -hmm. I like did my job and then I left. I made like, I made actually one lasting friend, but sometimes friends in situations like that, you don't even realize, like you become friends 10 years later after you experience it. Like it takes a while. You just like instantly make best friends. But anyway, I had the same feeling, but unlike you, I left. I went back to New York. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) So I only lasted two years. Do you have better friends in New York or like, did you when you were young? Yeah. And also like all my college friends moved to New York and I was like the only one who moved out West Mm -hmm. and it was for a boy at the time and I wouldn't have done it otherwise, but then we broke up and I don't know. And even when we were together, he worked all the time. So I was like, what am I supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. And I was so used to working hard in college. And then all of a sudden I was like done with work at five and I was like, what on earth am I supposed to do now? I'm used to working till midnight every day, you know? So it was sort of a sad time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what my story was too. I was just super lonely. Too bad I didn't meet you. Right? I just like I was, hung out. I was just a few years behind you. You know, I will <laughs> say, like going with the theme of of all of your work, one of the things that alleviated my loneliness was I started a book club. Mm, yep. Because I was like, I need friends. I like invited a couple of people I knew and then also like a new worker at my husband's job, like a total, like it was just totally like, does anybody want to be in a book club? <laughs> but the the benefit to a book club for making friends was that it met regularly. So it was once a month on the calendar. You didn't have to like figure out something new and exciting to do. Like it was already a built-in structure that was already like on the calendar. Like I didn't have to reach out and be vulnerable every time and be like, do you want to get together? You know, like we had this set thing and even once a month, which isn't very often, of course, was enough to feel like, okay, I have some friends. I have some book club friends. Yeah, it's true. By the end of the time I had like four really close friends, but it did take a while and it wasn't the Mm -hmm. same, but now there are still my really close friends, but it did. It just takes a little bit. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. 
Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. But anyway, I feel like there's shame around that. And your book really makes it like, okay, you know, it's not you. It's not like you're unpopular, or undesirable, or like the people don't want to be your friend. It's like there are times of life when it's easy and there are times of life when it's hard. And mm-hmm. it's okay to be friends with people for different reasons at different times. And it's sort of all sanctioned, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And I start the book off with a friendship reckoning that I had during the pandemic. I mean, I didn't want to start the book with like, I have the friend thing figured out because I don't. I wanted to share like right from the get-go, the pandemic, the last few years, you know, the political division, like all the things has made friendship harder. Mm -hmm. Like people have had a lot of struggles with friends and myself included. Like I thought, this friend and I were going to break up. Like we had to sit in the backyard. This was the very deep pandemic times, six feet apart and have a really hard conversation. And I just wanted like people to know that if that happened to you or is in the midst of happening to you, like that's happening everywhere and people aren't really talking about it. It's not the type of thing you post on social media. It's like, oh, I had a friend break up, you know? I mean, it's true. It's true. Actually, there's a woman who's coming to my signing at the bookstore this weekend named Annie Catherine, who wrote a book called The Friendship Breakup. Oh. So you might be interested. It's a novel. Yeah. But I feel like the two of you might want to chit chat. She has a podcast. I feel like you, you yeah, I'll connect you two for whatever. If you Is want. she LA? She's local? No, she's flying in from Chicago. Wow. It's, she's uh, she's lovely. Um, yeah. But I'm also curious how you maintain your friendships. A, because at the beginning of the book, you keep talking about how selfish you are, which I highly doubt. And B, you don't email, like at least for professional reasons all the time, right? You have like an auto reply that like you've chosen not to email that much. And I think that is amazing. Tell me about that. So part of this is like, <laughs> like not to joke about this, but actually there's so much digital communication these days that it just pings off my anxiety. Like I have two kids who are in sports who, you know, so I'm just getting, I feel like I'm on text threads all day long. I get a million emails for work. There's obviously like DMs and all the social media places. There's so many ways to communicate. And when I get all this incoming communication, I just like shut down. Like I don't communicate with anybody, which is, you know, terrible for friendship. I did realize a few years ago like I used to sort of use that as an excuse, right? Like I, this makes me very anxious. I'm not going to be good at it. Like if I don't text you back, you can't take it personally. Like this was sort of my mantra for a long time. And then I realized 
I was actually damaging some of my friendships by taking that stance. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I can't take care of my mental health and like stay aware of it. But also this is the way that people communicate. This is how people are doing friendships in 2023. So I guess I could choose to totally be like, have a smaller circle and and not nurture some of those friendships or whatever. Or I could try and work with it. (laughs) And so what I do, I have to do this for myself is I like set a timer and sit down and reply to texts because this is how mom life friendship works for me. Like this is how people are checking in on each other. This is how people are showing that they care. And, you know, now I also do like, we can get together and do like normal things like mom's brunches or mom's night out or you know, taking a hike with a friend or like the normal things that sort of friends do. But honestly, in this life for me, it's a lot of it is texting or liking your people's Instagrams, just sort of showing that you care in these smaller digital ways. And I was just not doing my friendships any favors when I refused to do that. So like the email autoresponder, that's for work only. So I was like, I'm going to have to do this in places, uh, take care of myself in places where I can. So in work situations, I have an assistant now, or I have an autoresponder. And then in places where it really matters, like relationship, I am going to have to make it work for myself. I'm going to have to take care of my mental health while also nurturing these friendships in the way that they need to be done. That's not easy for everybody, or that's not a priority for everybody. And you have to like sort of think about it for yourself. But these are definitely things to think about if you're like, oh, well, I'm never on Instagram or I'm never on Facebook. I I don't do social media. And then, but then if you notice, like that's where a lot of your friend group is communicating or sharing their lives or whatever, that's going to be a Mm trade-off. I'm not telling you to get on social media if that's like what your choice is, but you also can't, in some ways we can't have our cake and eat it too. Like, oh, I refuse to do X, Y, Z. Why am I so lonely? You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, you have to like recognize there are some trade-offs, you know? Interesting. So give me the whole rundown of all the things you're doing now still, what you're starting, what you're ending, books you're writing, all the stuff. Well, I'm just trying to launch the Life Council, first of all, well into the world. I really care about that. I still do my weekly podcast. It's called 10 Things to Tell You. And it is a place where I talk about topics and offer journal prompts and conversation prompts for people to connect with others. That's kind of my gig is sharing yourself. So I'm podcasting, writing books. I want to write another book after this. I have not started it. I just, I have lots of ideas. I ran a class called Journaling for Grownups that was gangbusters because I really care about teaching grownups to journal because a lot of people think journaling is for, you know, angsty teenagers or something. And I feel like, no, journaling can help all of us. So those are kind of my biggies right now. And I'm loving it. I love podcasting. I love writing books. It's just where I am. That's amazing. If you could be friends with somebody you don't know now, who would it be? (laughs) Oh gosh, that's such a good question. You know who I'm like loving? Do you follow Sharon Says So? No. Sharon McMahon, do you know who that is? Mm. She calls herself a governor and she's a former government teacher, maybe a current government teacher. And she just posts like from a neutral place, like an unbiased place. She kind of like translates what's happening in government, in the news and politics. And in like, she makes it really understandable. (laughs) And I just find what she's doing to be so relatable and so smart and needed. 
And I've just been soaking her in. She Sharon says so on Instagram. She has a pretty big following now. I started following her kind of when she was new, but now she's really grown her platform. And I do not know her in real life. And I would love to. I did not know I was going to say that. She just came out of the blue. That was a good question. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I feel like I would like to know Sarah Jessica Parker, but maybe it's really Carrie Bradshaw, but I don't know, like either of them, you know, either the character or the actual Sarah Jessica Parker. She's so into books and she lives in New York and I don't know. I feel like we'd have a nice chat. Well, if we're going to take that route, I really want to know Reese Witherspoon, who also lives in LA and is also into books. I feel like we would be friends. Yes. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) What advice do you have to aspiring authors? Just start writing. I put off my writing a book for a long time, but you know what I did that ultimately served my authorship was I started blogging. Now blogging is like, it's a little bit of a different world. I started blogging in 2010. So obviously the internet looked different back then, but writing somewhere every day completely changed my writing life. Nowadays, even even if you are writing something every day on social media, that still counts. You are really learning in when you're writing for an audience, which we can do like instant gratification and get feedback. You can see what hits and what doesn't, what people respond to, how long is too long, if you can edit it down to be very short, like giving yourself an assignment and writing every single day for an audience. If you write every single day for yourself, you're still writing. I'm not discounting that, but it's maybe a different learning curve because you're not getting the feedback. Like I wish I'd started writing books earlier, but definitely writing publicly on a blog and then on social media taught me lessons I never could have learned if I was toiling away on my own, like in a closet, because I used to be a lot fluffier with my writing. You know, like I, I used to um, maybe take a tangent that I don't now, like just writing for an audience. And you'll see if you give yourself an assignment, like I'm going to post every single day, a few paragraphs or, or whatever, you'll really start to sharpen how to make a point quicker, how to land a joke, maybe what didn't work, like all of those things. And not that all writing is, you should not always have your like audience tip top of mind. Like we want to create art and do that kind of thing. But look, let's be honest in this publishing industry, like you're writing for an audience. (laughs) You just are. And when you learn to do that, you're going to have a better shot at putting together a better proposal, building a platform, which now seems so important and selling your book, which is what we want. If you're an aspiring author, you want people to read the stuff that you're writing. So you have to learn to write for the current reader. I love that. Excellent advice. Thank you. Amazing. Laura, this is so fun. I hope I'm in town when you're doing your event in April, but if not, I hope to see you at something else soon. And yeah, I hope I can make it into your extended council of friends. Oh my gosh, (laughs) Sibby. I always love chatting with you. I'm so glad that we've become acquainted in the past couple of years because I love what you're doing. I feel like you're just opening the doors for authors and giving readers like a broader experience. I really appreciate what you're doing for this whole industry and for this whole world that we're in. It matters. Well, I I appreciate what you're doing because connection is sort of the byproduct. Like that's what I'm after is getting people to connect over books, right? And you're that's you're just going straight there. So it's a much yeah. more direct route. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway. All right. Well, I hope to see you soon, Laura. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sibby. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.